Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. We've got, we're bringing back David Dan, the, the famous executive editor of the American Prospects. Um, friend of the pod. Don't forget, friend of the pod. World's finest um, political magazine. There, you know, we <laughs> accept no substitutes. Um, welcome to the show, David. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the, and so um, it's funny, you know, we, we, we asked to have you on and the the very afternoon that we're recording this, it's Tuesday, November 2nd, there appear to be like big time movements in the interminable glacial sort of like, you know, depositing the moraine of, of policy on the, you know, the shoulders of the American people over the next 10,000 years. Um <laughs> That is sort of happening. We're all getting a boulder right in the in the kisser, um, <laughs> and that uh, possibly, maybe not, but in the form of a retroactive repeal of the state and local tax uh, deduction cap that was passed in the Trump tax cuts. Um, Americans love their salts, though, you know. So we so we want to talk, you know, sort of politics and and the the the, the negotiations. But David, can you? I think you've been paying closer attention to me over the last like thirty to forty five minutes while I've been doing the dishes. <laughs> what what the what is the salt tax cap? Uh, and you know, what are the prospects of this actually being repealed re- retroactively? Right. So two things really came into focus today. And I would argue, and and by the time this podcast is out, I will have argued publicly that they're linked. Um, So the first thing is a deal on drug pricing. So we had not seen previously in the Build Back Better framework that Joe Biden put out last Thursday, he did not include a, a deal on drug pricing. And of course, this is one of the few items in the Build Back Better Act that, that would actually save money because it would save money for the drug, the government to lower the cost of prescription drugs that they have to buy for Medicare patients, for example. Um, yeah, but, and they, but uh, since you brought that up, back that up a little bit and explain why that is. Why is it that it right. would save a lot of money to, right. to, to do this thing with Medicare and drug prices? So in 2003, the Medicare Modernization Act, which added a prescription drug benefit to Medicare, had a restriction in it that stated that the government could not negotiate the price in Medicare for prescription drugs. Now, there's probably nothing else in your world where you cannot negotiate the price. And the the thing that you're actually be, uh, being charged for can uh, go up exponentially, however much it wants to over time. They can offer any price they want, and there's nothing the government, the purchaser, a bulk purchaser, can do about it. And what this bill does, well, what this bill was supposed to do, is change that that uh, that whole per- whole concept by allowing Medicare to negotiate. Uh, a small but rapidly escalating amount of drugs uh, uh, year by year. What we have now is not that, and we can get into the, the the details of it. But I just want to sort of lay out the broad stakes right here. So you have that that uh, drug price reform, which 
There were holdouts in the House and in the Senate. They largely represent states with a lot of pharmaceutical companies. They were resistant to aggressive Medicare price negotiation. They have agreed apparently now to a much more modest reform that nevertheless, because there is so much money in the prescription drug industry, if Medicare is allowed to pay just a little bit less for a certain amount of drugs over a certain number of years, it's going to come out to hundreds of billions of dollars. And and that just shows you how insane it was that for all this time, we spent all this unnecessary money on uh, on prescription drug costs through the government. So uh, unlike any other country in the world, I should mention that 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 pays shockingly lower rates for prescription drugs. So you have this hundreds of billions of dollars that uh, wasn't in the bill previously in the framework. Uh, all of the revenue comes from tax increases. And now there's this extra money. So what are you going to do with this extra money? There's maybe 200, maybe 300 billion dollars. You could extend uh, universal pre-K to make it permanent. You could add four years onto the end. You could extend the child tax credit for another year or two. But what are we going to do? Can you explain why? David, can you explain why the extra four years from six to 10 makes it permanent? Uh, just so people yeah, understand because, uh, what all you have to, uh, when you're talking about programs, all you have to care about is the budget window. Um, with respect to reconciliation, uh, you have to make sure that the uh, deficit is lowered outside the budget window. But all of the taxes in, in Build Back Better are permanent. The programs are what's temporary. And so you even if you say it's permanent, you can you know tally up the cost in the budget window. And then outside of that, it'll be covered by the ongoing tax increases. So yeah. So if you add just four more years to the current six-year universal pre-K plan, it would be permanent. And you could do that with the proceeds that you get, the budget savings from prescription drugs. However, what we're instead going to get is, uh, as mentioned, this repeal of uh, the state and local tax deduction cap, which was put on in 2017. Uh, retroactive is kind of a, a misleading term. It, it, I think that appears to only mean that it will be in place for 2021. Uh, so it's retroactive to this year. It won't be retroactive all the way back to 2018, which was the first year that it was put in place. But what they're talking about is a five-year suspension of that cap. Now, uh, there are two ways to look at this. First of all, the, the state and local tax deduction, like most of the individual tax breaks in the Trump tax cuts, was supposed to expire in 2025, right? Uh, that's the way that was set up. Also because of reconciliation rules and you had to make things cost out. So uh, what they're essentially doing is switching the two sides of the 10-year ratio, so 2021 to 2025, there would be no cap, but they say they would reinstate it from 2026 to 2030. And relative to the current day, that doesn't change anything. It just reverses the dates at which the, the SALT deduction is in place. And so they, they use that to claim that it won't cost any money. But if you actually think that they won't continue to extend that, uh, you know, I have another bridge to sell you. Um, uh, <laughs> this will cost $475 billion to do that five year, uh, reduction, 
uh, five year suspension of the cap. 400 billion of those dollars will go to the top 5% of income earners because you can't, you can't actually get the state and local tax deduction unless you itemize your deductions. So that knocks out most people, frankly. Uh, the, the itemizing, I think, is down to about 15 to 20% of households. And, uh, so it, this is really a benefit for wealthy people in high tax states. Uh, California, New Jersey, New York, many of whose representatives have been agitating for this. And the, the tell here is that the same individuals who have been agitating for it, uh, particularly the New Jersey representatives like Josh Gottheimer and Senator Robert Menendez, were exactly the same people who were agitating for a less aggressive prescription drug price reform or no reform at all. So you can see the quid pro quo here, right? Okay, I'll give you a modest version of prescription drug price reform so you can, in your campaign, say that you lowered the cost of prescription drugs. And in exchange, you'll give my wealthy residents a big tax break. That's what's going on here. That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com slash left anchor. Thanks for listening.